going well, thank you. As Alex said, I'm Andrew, and I love Star Wars, so hi. <laughs> um, but yeah, as we continue in our Proverbs sermon series, growing up, Proverbs, I absolutely, it was one of my favorite books, actually, growing up reading the Bible. This was, this was one of the things I absolutely loved. So when I heard we were going to be doing a, a sermon series, I was really excited. And to be honest, I think I was more excited because I was like, yes, I get to sit and listen to people share all this wisdom. And then I found out I'll be preaching. And I was like, oh, okay, a little, little less exciting. But still, God's word is amazing. Um, but, you know, I love Proverbs for, for numerous reasons. Not only was it talking about how to live, you know, a good Christian life, how to love, to learn, to trust God, and to grow closer to Him. But it's also, it just gave really good wisdom and advice for general life as well. You know, not that these two things are mutually exclusive, but it talked about things about how to be wise with your money and, and with business, how to control your tongue and your temper, lessons that my mom said I had to constantly be learning. And it also told us how to be good parents to your children, and children how to be good pa- children, not parents, to your parents, and, and honor them in really good ways. So if you haven't read this book, I highly recommend you just go through, read it. It's got some great wisdom. And through the past few weeks, as we've gone through, and we've heard three amazing speakers uh, teach us these little pearls of wisdom, it's been just, just a small taste of this treasure and this richness. So... Again, I recommend go back on YouTube and watch them through if you haven't, haven't seen those as well. But as I said, growing up, really enjoyed reading Proverbs. And one of the things that particularly stuck out to me was how much throughout the whole book, it really stresses the importance of, of seeking after and obtaining wisdom. And that really stuck with me. In the, first, the very first chapter, verse 5, it says, let those... Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. As we go through the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is often personified as as a woman, as Lady Wisdom, calling out in the streets. And again, later in that very first chapter, we see verse 20 to the end where she's there, she's shouting out onto the streets, come and listen and learn from me. Proverbs 4 verse 6, do not forsake wisdom, she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. And Proverbs 7, verse 4, love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. These and and many other verses really drive home this point that wisdom is important. And so me reading this as, as a young teenager, I thought, yes, I know what I need to do. I need to go after wisdom. So I was like, let's do this. And I remember, I remember praying to God, and I said, God, I really want wisdom, so just, just give me wisdom, God. And I kept reading through Proverbs, and to be honest, I think there was a part of me, which maybe it's the, pro- the side of me that, that loves sci-fi and, and superheroes and comics and all that, where I wish God would just download all that wisdom and knowledge into my head, and then I'd have this kind of supercomputer brain. So if you came to me with a problem, I'd be like, boom, here's a solution. What's 10 plus 10? 20. Look at that. You know. I, I really was hoping for this, but evidently that is not the case. And that didn't happen. And if I was to obtain wisdom, then I would actually have to do some kind of work to get there. But the big question, the big question was, how do I do this? But as I read Proverbs, there was something else that really stuck out to me. And that was how many times there was instructions given to, to listen and to learn from the wise or to follow the instruction of the righteous. 
And this could be summarized in Proverbs 22, verses 17 to 21. And he says, Pay attention and turn your ear to the saying of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your, in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and to speak, to speak the truth, so that you bring back truthful reports to those you serve? Just as there is much encouragement to gain wisdom, we read and we see that there is much, so much encouragement to learn from others as well. And as we navigate our way through life, I think one of the beautiful things about it is that we don't go through, we don't do it alone. We live in community. We're born into community. And, and as we go through life, that's, that's one of the beautiful things as we go, we go through together. And it's one of the things that I was reflecting on and one of the things I want to reflect on this evening as well. How do we do wisdom in community? Firstly, one of the things was learn wisdom from the wise. If we are to be wise, we must then learn from the wise. As you read through the book of Proverbs, one of the, the perspectives the authors take or watch writing is one of a parent speaking to a child. We see it especially in those first few chapters, but also throughout the book. A lot of them start along the lines of, my child, remember my teaching, or listen to your father or your mother, or pay attention to our wisdom. There's this constant callback to listening and learning from their wisdom. It's a perspective of someone who has significant life experience over the other, and they're wanting and looking to impart their wisdom onto their child as they make their way and enter into the world someone who's already been through what their child may one day go on to experience in life. And this isn't something a parent woke up one day and just, oh, this would be good to share. Uh, maybe it was, but these, these sayings in Proverbs, they're, they're a collection of sayings that have been passed down through generations, through cultures. They're tried and tested sayings of wisdom. They come with this depth of experience behind them. And it isn't just a parental relationship that we see here. In a lot of the wisdom culture of that time, you would often find a student who would, would sit under and learn from a teacher, someone who, who has that wisdom. They would be ready to learn from them. So as we, as we seek out and we search for wisdom, one of the questions is, who, who are the people around us who we can sit under, who, who could be a mentor in our life? Ask the questions of who's, who's ahead of us in those life stages that can teach us from their experience. I think sometimes it's, it's so easy to get caught up in ourselves and in our own situations and think we're the only ones who's ever experienced this. We're, we're so unique and the only person to ever experience what we're going through in life that other people couldn't, couldn't possibly relate because they don't, they don't live the lives that we live and we see this often emphasized in, in young children and teenagers. And, you know, we see all the movies about us. And, oh, whatever, mom, you don't understand me. But in the reality is, even as adults, as we, as we go through life, we still do this. There are times where we let our pride get in the way and we think that, no, we, we know best. I remember as I, as I began my journey through the discernment process, as, as I was thinking about doing ministry and going off to be a church leader, 
And I remember I speak to the diocese to have this process, the discernment process that they bring you through to say, oh, is this your vocation? Is this something you're called into? And at every stage of that, I remember they would always ask me, do you have a spiritual director? And the spiritual director is someone who directs you spiritually. Um, they help you focus on your journey with God. They walk alongside you and help, help try and guide you and encourage you in that. And on the one hand, I, I, could, I could see the benefits of that. But at the same time, I was also like, you know what? I, I think I'll be fine. I go to church, I pray, I read my Bible. You know, I'm good. I don't need someone that I can just chat through my relationship with. And there was a time and a season where, you know, just to appease the diocese, don't, don't tell them I said this, but I did, I, I went through and I got a spiritual director just to, just to appease them and I'd go along, but I wouldn't really treasure those, to those, those meetings or take in the discussions we were saying. And I then went off to go and study down in Bristol. And again, whilst I was at theological college there, they would ask the questions and they would always encourage, oh, it'd be really good to have a spiritual director when you go off into ministry as you do in life, someone who, who can encourage you, who can help you and focus you on, as you deepen your relationship with God. And again, you know, classic me, I got good friends around me. I know what I'm doing. I knew I'd be coming here and I was like, Alex seems like a really wise guy. He'll be able to teach me if, you know, if I need anything. I was like, I can navigate my walk in ministry and my walk with God on my own. I'm like, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be fine. Or so I thought. Even just a couple months in, I've, I've been here, what, two months, two and a bit months, and, and already I've been severely humbled. It's not, it hasn't been as, as breezy as I thought it may be, or at least hoped it would be. And learning to navigate ministry alongside life and, and family life hasn't been as easy as I thought. Even just the little things of managing my diary, how do I spend time and dedicate time to Beth when I'm coming home tired from work? Just little things like that. And it really got me thinking, maybe, just, just maybe, I should have taken that advice that the diocese was giving me and, and the college, because it's almost as if they've been through this before themselves. Or, you know, they've seen many, many people go through college and, and experience this kind of ministry. And maybe sometimes we feel like this as we enter a new season of life or a new stage of life. We come in with our expectations and, and ideas of how things are going to be. We think, you know, we got this, and yet things just don't quite seem to go as planned. We come in feeling a bit, a bit lost and, and out of our depth. But thankfully, you know, I'm not the first person to ever do this kind of ministry, and, and nor are we the first people to ever just do life in general. There are many people around us who, ha who have experience of, of what we're going through. And sometimes it might not be that exact experience in, in our life that we're describing, but the people around us have this wisdom and this insight and knowledge and life in which we're able to apply to, to those specific circumstances. You know, if I was to learn to go off and, and be a builder, I wouldn't just pick up a brick and some cement and be like, oh, just go to Alex. I'm like, why don't you just taught me through this? Let's just build this house. You know, I'd have to go to someone who, who's learned the craft, who's spent time, who's made the mistakes, who's gone through and, and trained in it to give me those skills and that wisdom. Again, here we often get a lot of medics in, and we wouldn't say to them on their first day of uni, oh, you've read a book, why don't you just go operate on the person in the back? They don't have that wisdom and that experience. We have to take time to learn from others who have been through it. And 
I remember looking back through an old notebook as I was preparing for this sermon. And on the second page of that notebook, I, I wrote myself a little note. And at the top, it had Proverbs 2, verse 20 written. And it says, So follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. And just underneath that, I had written myself as someone who I thought might be someone who's good and righteous, someone whose steps I could potentially follow um, as, I, as I considered my life and as I'm going through. And it happened to be my older cousin. He was someone who, who's been in ministry uh, at a church leadership for, for a while at that point, and someone I trusted and looked up to. And as I was thinking about going into ministry, I was like, maybe he would be someone good to learn from. And... Now, at the time, that was merely just my writings and my thoughts, and I never actually acted upon that. But as I've been going through these past few weeks, as I've been wrestling with life, <laughs> I actually reached out to him, and I was like, hey, cuz, can we just have, have a little chat? Just I want to talk through ministry and, and life and what's going on. And in that, in that time, I did ask him to be my mentor, but we had about an hour conversation and just in, those, in that, those few minutes, those few moments, the wisdom that he was able to share, the experience that he's been through in navigating life was just so precious and valuable. And I'm now beginning to see why people are saying, hey, follow people with wisdom. It's actually really helpful. And even as I was preparing for this sermon, it was just, just last night, I was sat down and I was reminded again of a conversation I had with my mother. And I think at this time, I was about 13, 14 and discussing again the possibility of one day, far, far down the line, going off into ministry. And I told her about this, and she said, oh, you know, it'd be really good if you, if you would go and you learn from people, you take advice and, and learn from them. But me and my wise 13, 14-year-old self, I was just like, mom, mom, please stop, 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 stop. I know what I'm doing, it's okay. I've got this, and you know, if I need anything, I can just go straight to God, and he'll tell me what to do, and this, this, this will be great, and this will be fine, and my mom, in a very loving and, and very, very wise way, you know, she said, okay, that's fine, but, but if you're going to do that, I want you to go and read Luke 2, and she said, even Jesus, he was someone who, who learned and was taught by other people, so off I went in my kind of like whatever teenage self. And as I looked in Luke 2, there's this, there's this scene where we see that Jesus is in the temple with his, with his parents. And if you're ever feeling like, you know, you're, you're a bad parent, feel free to look at, look at Luke 2. For three days, Jesus' parents lost him in the temple in this scene. And they're off looking for him. And it's, from an outside perspective, I think quite funny. But, you know, they eventually go and they find Jesus and they find him in the temple courts and he's sitting among the teachers. He's listening to them. He's asking them questions. That really struck me. Even Jesus, the one who we see as God's wisdom personified, even he sat and he learned from others. Whether it's going into a new profession or, you know, you become a new parent or you're thinking about how do you handle your finances? How do we navigate dating? How do we do our walk with God and just go through life? Who are the people that we're able to go to to be able to get good advice and wisdom as we do that? Who are the people in our lives that we could identify that could be a good mental figure? But as we, as we look at the people ahead of us, Proverbs also gives wisdom into the people around us too. Proverbs 13, verse 20 reads, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. 
Again, there are numerous verses throughout the book of Proverbs that urges us to think about the company we keep. It tells us to, the kind of people to stay away from, to stay away from fools, from, from lazy people, from mockers, slanderers, those who seek to do evil and to do us harm. But Proverbs also directs us and encourages us to walk with people who are wise, who are righteous, generous, people of integrity, people of God who love and are going after him. Maybe you've heard the famous saying, show me your friends and I will tell you who you are. Or maybe you've heard some other kind of variation of that. The idea is that our friends are the ones who, who we choose to spend our time with. It's a bit different from family who you're born into. But you actually choose these people in your life, in your life and they can play a vital role in, in who we are and who we are shaped as, as a person. They can influence us in, in, in ways which are good, but also they can influence in ways which are bad. If we are constantly hanging around those people who are liars, cheats, gossipers, who are lazy, we too can be influenced and, and take on these traits. Their way of thinking can become our way of thinking. And sometimes we can, we can trick ourselves and get into the idea of, oh, maybe we can change them. But when we're surrounded by this culture, when we're surrounded by this experience, more often than not, we're the ones who have been influenced. And Proverbs, it challenges us and it, it makes us reflect on the question, are the friends that we're keeping close around us the kind of people who are wanting us uh, or who are wanting to hold us down or are they the people who are wanting to lift us up? Are they the kind of people who, who want you to prosper, who want to see your soul flourish, who want you to walk in righteousness and are they doing all they can to, to help you achieve this as you walk together? And this, this isn't just lip service. It's not about having a bunch of yes people around you to just make you feel good. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. We want those friends around us who are actually going to hold us accountable and make sure we're walking with integrity. The ones who are willing to pull us up and correct us when we might be doing things wrong. It's not always easy, and sometimes it hurts, but are they going to challenge us from a place of love so that we actually may grow as opposed to remaining stagnant? We want the friends who are going to be able to encourage us and sharpen us, make us feel alive inside, not the ones that are going to drain us and make us dull or numb. Now, I'm not saying that you must only ever exclusively walk in Christian circles. You can only have Christian friends. And don't you dare associate with anyone who doesn't follow Jesus. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But the question that Proverbs asked us is, who are the people you are allowing to feed into your life and influence you as you go through? You know, the more I go through life, the more I realize that the true friends that I have around me aren't necessarily the ones that just act like me or think like me, dress like me, or, or have those same interests, such as Star Wars, which is amazing. But the ones who, who are the true friends that are around me are the ones who, who we walk with for mutual flourishing, the ones that like to pull the best out of each other. When we look at the life of Jesus... Yes, we see him walking and eating with sinners, is living among them and being in relationship with them. But he still had his core relationships around him. Even though he had many disciples around him, we read about these 12 disciples that Jesus walked with day in and day out. They were the ones that he did life with. He, he traveled with along the road doing ministry together. 
He ate with them. He laughed with them. He even cried with them. We read about Jesus being at one of his most vulnerable states in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he goes to get crucified, and he's with his disciples just crying out to God. And one of my favorite moments that we see with Jesus and his disciples, we read about in Matthew 16. And there, in, in here, there are, two, there are two paragraphs, one after the other. And I absolutely love it because the dynamic between them are just so different. In, in the first, he's, he's talking to his disciples and he asks them, who, who, do you, who do people say I am? And they give some answers. Some people say Elijah, some say some other prophets. And then he, he flips the question. He asks them, but who do you say I am? And here we have one of the disciples, Simon Peter, and he replies with, you're the Messiah. And Jesus praises, praises Peter for this answer. There's this, this whole big thing going around, and he's like, whoa, yes, God revealed this to you. And he's saying, I'm going I'm to change your name from Simon to Peter, because that's just what friends do. And he says, I'm going to build my church on this rock, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. You, you get really caught up into this huge deal of a moment, and you get this sense of, like, go on, Peter, go on. It's like, get him, you can do it. And you're right there with him in this sense of elation and celebration. But then literally, the very next paragraph, there's this switch between them. In this next section, Jesus is prophesying uh, to his disciples about his upcoming death and resurrection. But then Peter, being the good friend, he brings Jesus to the side. He's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, this is never going to happen. You can't die, you're Jesus. But because of this, Jesus then rebukes Peter this is the same guy that just sentenced his back, was being praised and celebrated, but now here Jesus is saying to him, get behind me, Satan. Now, if I was Peter, this would hopefully not be my favorite moment, and also I'd hope it wasn't one of the conversations that gets recorded. But there's this huge contrast between the two paragraphs, and we, you know, there wasn't some secret disagreement between them and the falling out that they had. But actually what we're seeing here is Jesus walking in loving friendship with Peter. And, and out, as he acts out of this place of love, there are times that we see that we are being, he's celebrating Peter, he's lifting him up, encouraging him. But there are also times where Peter needs to be called out. In Jesus' rebuke, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. He wasn't rebuking Peter because, because he disagreed with him, but he was rebuking Peter because he wasn't focusing on God. It doesn't mean he loves him any less, whereas, in fact, it's from this place of love that he wants to make sure Peter is focused on the right things. As we walk alongside people, who are those who are going to be able to call us out from a place of love, who, who can walk along and share that wisdom celebrate with us as well as call us out. And finally, as we share wisdom in community, as we look for these different kinds of people in our own lives to gain wisdom, another question and challenge of Proverbs is, is how much are we working on trying to be that for others? To be the mentors, to be those true friends who, who others can walk through life with. As I said earlier, the book of Proverbs is, is wisdom that's learnt and taught and then passed down through the generations. Once wisdom is learnt, it isn't just hoarded and let, letting others just offend for themselves, but we see that they share to future generations to come and also to peers alongside them. 
Chapter 4, Proverbs, a father is passing on knowledge to a son, but this, is, this isn't just any knowledge, it's knowledge that he learned from his father before him. There's this sharing of wisdom. Beth, my wife, and I, we've got some friends that we made in Bristol, and, and whilst, we, whilst we lived there, and, and one day they sat us down because they wanted to talk to us about their two daughters. Now, this, this family, they're really intentional about how they do life as a family and who they allow in to, to do life with them. And, and recently, they've been looking through this, this neurological study in which they read that children grow and develop, and, and sorry, as children grow and develop and make their way into the teenage stages of life, they begin to process their parents' voice differently from how they used to. The study says that teenagers aren't simply just ignoring their parents' voice, although sometimes, you know, they might just do that. Um, but in this case, they don't just ignore their parents' voice, but actually their brains put less emphasis on the voice of their parents. But we see that there's this stronger brain response to more unfamiliar voices. The study said that this change is something that helps teenagers develop socially and forms, form connections with people outside of their families. They begin to tune out their parents' voice a little less and, and pay more attention to the other voices around them. Now, the reason that they were sharing this with us was because, you know, they accept that as as their daughters get older, their brains are naturally going to start to develop and change. This is just a process of life that we we all go through. And there may come a point where they may not listen to their parents' wisdom and advice as they once did. But as they enter into those teenage years, they, they want and start to be shaped by the social influences around them. They still wanted them to have people who, and, and trusted people around them, who they can turn to. There's this assurance for them as parents that as they go, as their girls go through life, that there are people who are going to be there if they need to talk to that are outside of that family circle. But there's also this assurance for, for the girls as well, that as they grow, as they go through life and they feel, you know, maybe there aren't, I can't talk to my parents about this or I don't want to. And, you know, it doesn't just have to be the God stuff. It could just be any life stuff. That there are some people around in these circles that aren't quite my parents, but I know that they've got some people who love them and trust them and, and want to help them go through life. And, and it was such an honor to, to be asked that because we absolutely love this family. They're great. The girls are great. And they're just, they're just wonderful, lovely people. And already their parents have, have been that wise, trusting voice for, for Beth and I as well. But it also got me thinking, as, as well as this family who, you know, who came out and explicitly asked for that, who else around me are, am I actually able to be there for? Begs the question of how, how do we share wisdom in community around us? I think sometimes we can spend so much time looking at how we can be served, who, who can fill us up, who are the people that are going to be able to impart wisdom to us as we go through life. But as we go through life and as we live in community, we walk together. It isn't just about how we can be served, but how can we serve others? How can we pour out what we we have learned, what we have received back on to others? So as I I, I come to close today, there are those three areas as we think about, as we continue to seek and chase after wisdom, as we continue to draw closer to God as we live in community and fellowship with one another, who are the people that are ahead of us, those who, who can mentor us, that have that wisdom or ahead in those life stages? And you know, often we always think about those who are just 
much older than us in age, but you know, sometimes it's just about who, who has been through what we've been through. It doesn't have to be someone literally older than us, but who are ahead of us in our lives. Also, who are the people that are alongside us, those who we do life with, those friends that we can call around to encourage us, but also to rebuke us when needed. And then who are those people who we're able to invest in? Who, who are those that we can share with them the wisdom that we have learned as well as we do community together, not just here in the church, but outside as well in the world, in the workplace, in our, in our families, in our friends. <music>